As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. They seem like you know ball the way you talk, so... Thank you. Someone clip that. I'm not playing in your league unless I can draft myself. (laughs) (laughs) Outside of football, I live a pretty boring life. With Matt Harmon. This is an anti-getting greedy podcast here. I've seen you guys' podcast have blown up here recently, so glad to get on. It's Thursday, December 15th, and you know what that means. It's time for Stat Nerd Thursday, my favorite episode of the week, although we are not joined by Dalton Del Don as we usually are. Instead, I'm joined today. I had to pull in a big heavy hitter for Stat Nerd Thursday, one of the best stat nerds in the entire fantasy industry. It's Rich Rebar, the great Lord Reeves of Sharp Football Stats, looking absolutely fantastic on the other end of this Zoom. Rich, what's going on, buddy? Matt, what's going on, brother? Yeah, uh, I have never been on a podcast today. I have to just put all the stats together for my own pod for a podcast I was guesting on but I feel like it was warranted a uh, special special kind of you know phone a friend situation yeah absolutely uh I could think of no one better and look I wanted you to to uh, yeah I, I did give you a lot of homework here and I apologize for that but I wanted to take a ton of uh stats from your great column the worksheet uh before we jump into all the stats that we usually do on the show here tell people about uh the worksheet and where they can find it because it's one of the best columns in the entire industry yeah, it's over at sharpfootballanalysis.com. This is my eighth year doing it. Uh, it's crazy. I was on a show earlier and referenced the Konami Code, and I wrote that article in 2013. Uh, so it's oh pretty God. wild uh, to, to think about that in those terms. But I basically just do a deep dive in on a game matchup stance. And, you know, it is through a fantasy lens, but we do talk a lot of real football and football matchups in the article as well. Uh, so if you are like a sports better or you do DFS props or daily props, stuff like that, like all that information like you can find avenues there we're breaking down every player every game uh team nuggets betting matchups fantasy stats all the good stuff yeah well you are in a perfect spot uh to bleed the lines between fantasy (laughs) uh, blur the lines between fantasy and nfl because that is what i love to do but yeah we shall waste no more time here uh let's get right into it what we do on this show as you all know out there we go from the best record team to the worst record team i might actually want to switch that up uh going forward at some point but uh for now We'll go the best. We'll go to the worst. We'll give you one stat you need to know for every single NFL team. And we'll start, as we have for many weeks now, with the best record team in the NFL. It's the Philadelphia Eagles. Richest stat for the Eagles is that the Eagles lead the NFL in rate of drives to result in a touchdown, 34.8%. The league average is 21.4%. Rich, Eagles offense, very good. Yeah, and they are fun because they do it in just a, a multitude of ways, right? It's not like last year where the back half of the season where they were just running down everyone's throat and saying, yeah, here, we're over 200 yards a game. It's game plan specific now. We've seen that they're aggressive in games. Jalen Hurts, they trust him as a passer. 
And it just unlocked uh, so much upside for them as a team and, and for fantasy points for us too. But and then they play the Bears this week, which we love because they're a team that's just giving out uh, oodles of, of t- fantasy points to everybody. Yeah, uh, the fact that the Bears are extremely, shall we say, generous is exciting. And, you know, we've had both Eagles wide receivers on this show to talk. Obviously, A.J. Brown yesterday. We had Devontae Smith this summer. And Rich, like, yeah, I know. It's total, total humble humble brag. But it had to be said because there's an important takeaway (laughs) here, I promise. Um, The conversation we had with Smith over the summer with with Devontae Smith was like, he basically said like this team can be anything it wants at any different time. And and I feel like they're it's, it's easy to just keep gloss over the Eagles because we talk about them first on the show every single week. You know, they're so good at this point. Like it seems like they're just going to moonwalk into the Super Bowl as the NFC representative Smith uh, um, and is the hurts and the boys there. But like rich, this team has taught, I think, hopefully it's taught people a lot of lessons to kind of use your imagination a bit when you're projecting in the offseason because, you know, Hertz has taken this massive leap. A.J. Brown has been great. We expect him to be great, but he's been great in, like, different ways, too, uh, than we used to expect in Tennessee. And I don't know. That is one lesson I'll take away from this year's Eagles team is that, obviously, I, I know you do projections. We all do projections. But, like, there is a little bit of, like, an imagination you need to have with these teams as well. 100%. And I think you see that in both directions, even like a, a team like the Buccaneers, right? Like, you know, take mm. in all, a context of all range of outcomes. The Dolphins are probably another good example, too. Yeah, it's you know, one. don't factor in just what we know. Think about that, you know, what could be as well. And that, that's a, a hurdle a lot of people have to get over. Yeah, I mean, I had like AJ Brown at wide receiver twelve or thirteen throughout the throughout the off season, and and like I I said this before on the show, I feel like I'm praying at the church of wide receivers uh, for <laughs> forgiveness every year that I wasn't right. at least like top ten because you know the talent is there, right. and Hertz is a guy who had gotten better every single year, and I said those things, and I knew those things, but I didn't rank it that way, and that is a that that is one that still haunts me, but nobody cares about nobody cares about what keeps me up at night. What they do care about. <laughs> is the Buffalo Bills, Rich. And I love the stat you brought uh, for the Bills. Buffalo has re- has scored a touchdown on four of 38. That's just 10.5% of their second half drives since their week seven bye week. Yeah, the Bills are a team like, you know, it, it's kind of disappointing. It's, it's weird to, to use disappointing with the Bills because they're still, yeah. you know, arguably one of the best teams in the NFL. And you said there, there's a reason they're in this order on the list. Uh, but this offense has just been missing something out of outside of getting Stefan Diggs production. And we're in week 15 of the NFL season. And Stefan Diggs is the only Buffalo Bill skill player. We can really confidently play in fantasy football. And to me, that kind of feels like a, a letdown for a team this good. Yeah, it does. And like, buddy, they're going back to like their old friends, you know, like they've yeah. signed, they've signed John Brown back. They signed Cole Beasley this week. And we haven't talked about the Beasley thing yet. I don't I, look. And I don't know that, you know, I love John Brown. Like I'm a longtime John Brown guy, but I, I'm not, I'm not expecting him to play some massive role or something. I don't even know what role Cole Beasley will play, but like, I think that Brandon beans bet that Gabe Davis would just step up to a two, like kick returner. Isaiah McKenzie would just be like a legitimate slot guy. I think both of those bets have failed at this point, And that's why they're turning back to these guys. And to me, that's the, that's the biggest uh, problem with this offense. I, I am a little disappointed with Dawson Knox production too, but I think they just asked like both of these guys to, to, to play one peg above where they should have. And that, it, and I know like Josh Allen's elbow, maybe that's a problem, whatever. But I think from things that we definitely know and are like tangible and apparent on the field, those two players not taking the step that they thought is probably the biggest one. Yeah, 100%. There's no doubt about it. I thought they would still be a team that were going to be aggressive in the draft still with the wide receiver. And they did take Khalil Shakur. 
and later. And I wish that they would give him some opportunity because he did kind of play well in the Pittsburgh game that he actually got, you know, to play a little bit. And I liked him in college, but it seems like the bills are just going to slow play these rookies. They've always done it too. They're doing it with James Cook. They did it with Gabe Davis. Uh, they're doing it with, uh, uh, Kamir Elam too on the defensive side. He's not really playing a lot right now either. So the bill's just notorious for kind of slow playing these rookies. Yeah, I wonder what they'll do at wide receiver in the offseason. They feel like a team that could really use use some more juice there. There's not a lot of free agents out there other than Odo Ooh, Beckham, no. who like it's getting. Yeah, I mean, it's all the all the wide receiver excitement last year. Get ready. DJ Shark's like the best guy. I, I know him and like Jacoby Myers. Like those are those are your premier free agents. And I like both of those guys for what they are. But, you know, this is not a year where we're getting like a, a ton of excitement on the free agent receivers, except Beckham, who apparently is probably smartly going to kick his like free agency tour to next year where he might be like the bell of the ball then. And that actually is a move that we know. I think that Buffalo and, and this next team too, were interested uh, in talking to Beckham this year. Let's uh, let's move on from the bills. Um, although I will say shout out to Josh Allen, another guy we've had on the show, rich, another humble brag there from me. <laughs> um, he, he like, basically that response to Jerry Sullivan, who has since been, yeah. uh, I think got fired, like just, okay. This offense can't win the Super Bowl. Like, okay, I love that. That was that was yeah. great. What do you what do you want him to say to that question? Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I mean, it's not even a question. It's just a statement. <laughs> I know you know this, like from interviewing people. You can't just throw a statement out there, and if they don't get what you want out of it, you know, yeah, give, give me a break. Yeah, I love Josh. I love. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think Josh has been the problem through this whole thing. Let's move on to the next team here, Dallas Cowboys. Since Ezekiel Elliott returned in week 11, he and Tony Pollard have combined for 732 yards in those four games with 11 touchdowns. I hope there's no one out there, Rich, still like complaining about the split because it's, it's working for everybody here. It's absolutely just amazing. The numbers you put up. This is what uh, people I think envision the Packers backfield to look like, but just they're not on yes, a good offense. They're just not a good <laughs> offense, but this is the ceiling of how that can work. Uh, Absolutely. Now, I don't know how sustainable this will be to the level of amount of touchdowns these guys are scoring, but we have shown that they can use these guys in unison effectively. Um, hopefully we get a run out where like Pollard is looking like 2019 Austin Eckler and maybe next year he'll, he'll just like blow up. Yeah. Pollard's a free agent uh, this offseason, yeah. right? Like I can't, I can't wait to see how they, um, mm-hmm. how they finesse that, you know, cause we know, uh, we know Zeke, and his contract, like probably going to be around, I would assume. Um, and, and look, Zeke is, I think to your, to the stats point, like Zeke has played well, like he's been really good in this role. They have him in, you know, the matchups rest of the way in terms of, in terms of running backs, like, you know, they get the Jaguars this week. I think that can be pretty spicy. Uh, they get the, they get the Eagles and then the Titans. Like those are typically not, and mm-hmm. the Eagles are, have been like hit or miss because they changed their defense halfway through and added a bunch of big guys in the middle. But, you know, Tennessee has been tough on running backs. Philadelphia is like I said, hit or miss uh, matchup the rest of the way And Washington week 18. I know we don't necessarily care about season long fantasy in week 18, but that's a stingy run defense as well, Rich. Yeah. And like I said, these guys have been really touchdown driven, both players. I mean, you look at Zeke scored in every game since he's been back and he scored in six straight. Pollard didn't score on Thanksgiving and we saw kind of the floor, right? Cause these guys aren't really catching mm-hmm. a lot of passes either. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see when they do face the Eagles who have kind of really been good the last month against the run and kind of short things up. And now you got Jordan Davis back with those, with the old beef they acquired and Linval and, and Dominican. Uh, if they were able to run the beef. ball effectively. Yeah. That old beef, baby. 
That's some that's some dry aged beef there between. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of running backs who don't catch passes, uh, Isaiah Pacheco has been an RB two or better in three straight games, Rich, and he gets the freaking Texans this week. How high is too high for Isaiah Pacheco in this kind of? I would still call it a pretty limited role that they have him in. Yeah, I was. uh, I have a roster that has Isaiah Pacheco and Kenneth Walker on it, and Kenneth Walker is playing short week against the 49ers, potentially injured. And I think that I'm not even questioning playing as a Pacheco over Kenneth Walker. So tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. No, I look, I don't think you're wrong. I just got an alert that like Kenneth Walker is not on the injury report for week 15. Uh, you know, that's that's great, although it is Pete Carroll's injury report. So keep that in mind. <laughs> uh, him and Zach Taylor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ultra reliable fellas over there. Uh, that injury report, baby. Thank God it's just an infallible document that you, you can't go wrong with. Um, yeah, but Ken Walker, I, I would I, I would play Pacheco. By the way, I totally forgot to mention this. I, I'd been planning to reference this in the intro all day. But Rich, me and you, buddy, we got we got a we got a dynasty matchup this week uh, we're, we're playing each other in the hollywood randos league you and i are oh, uh, yeah. first playoffs oh nice it's a nice little rivalry game uh my team has kind of floundered in i think uh i i was i lost some games and i got in on points total points scored you did so get it wasn't even points, performance yeah. but uh i made a mid-season trade for alvin kamara and that has not gone well Yes, uh, JJ, Zach Reason offered me the same trade, and I, I elected to pass and eventually bought Miles Sanders for, for Mike Williams uh, in the middle of the year. Much better is, buy. I mean, it, it did end up working out, but yeah, I've won five of my last six, including against you last week. So it's I, But I was telling my wife this morning, which she loves when I, when I tell her about fantasy football matches. She's, <laughs> that's super cool stuff. I'm like, I guess got this sinking feeling like, Rich is going to beat me this week. I, I, I'm. It's it's not good. And like this is the dynasty league I talk about on this show way too much. Uh, producer okay. John Lord podcast has has complained about me talking about it too much. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty pretty certain you're going to break my heart. So at least you gave me a great podcast performance before I think you beat me this week. I know I would have phoned it in if I would have known that's the case. <laughs> Well, there you go. Uh, but yeah, Isaiah Pacheco, how high is too high? I, I don't know that you can get too crazy. I don't know that there is too high. And even McKinnon, I feel like, will have some usability against the Texans because of how bad they've been. Yeah, I mean, just the amount of, of carries you have to expect in this game. The, the Texans face 28 carries per game from opposing backfields. Uh, that's just a byproduct of like how they allow the most rushing points, right? Because like, they're not the worst team on a per carry basis against mm-hmm. the run but they are just never ahead in games. Last week was the first time they led in the second half since week five. Uh, They're not going to lead in the second half against the Chiefs. No, they're definitely not. And yeah, I don't know. Pacheco, I would love for them to give him even more work, man, because he looks good. And and the way he finished that that game, you know, and, and... just drove the the spike into the heart of the Broncos with that final carry there. That's the type of stuff that I know it, it this seems like narrative whatever, but that's the type of stuff that does ingratiate you more and more to coaches. And I feel like we should just see more and more of him, man, because he's such an exciting player and a dimension that they've missed. He's interesting because I don't know what you label his running style. Like he, he to me, he feels just like a, like a, a kid that you just like gave like a two liter of like mountain yeah like, like wild he's he's just, like a wild runner and just and he's just running but like he's like if he learns some like nuance he could be really good yeah, that you well hey uh, i'm sorry to name drop again but he is a co-host of the show austin eckler said what about about the same thing that you just did it's like he run. they say basically runs like a kick returner because he he was a yeah. kick returner. <laughs> and and he's like if that guy he said the same thing like if that guy ever learns 
any sort of like nuance to the position, he's going to be a, he's going to be a great player. So that should be a he should be a fun guy to track and most likely debate in the offseason, man. That should be a good one. All right. Next team up here, Minnesota Vikings. They have allowed opponents to score on 57.1 percent of their drives over the past five games, the highest rate in the league. Rich, this defense is I mean, it's it's hilarious. We talk about like the carnival teams all the time. You know, mm-hmm. the Lions actually who just beat them last week looked like they might be that team earlier in the season. They're not at this point, but bro, I was just watching, you know, charting some Amon Ross St. Brown uh, against them yesterday. And that defense is like, it's a, it's, that's one of the more embarrassing secondaries I think I've ever seen in my years of watching game film. The the one good thing too, is like, they're kind of good against the run for as bad as good at defense. They're they're actually pretty good at stopping the run. So it's kind of tailor made. It's kind of like the Titans are right now because the Titans have yeah. all these injuries in the back, but they're like, excellent to stop your run. It's like, cool, you're going to force us to attack you at your weakest spot now? All right, <laughs> we will do that. And that's kind of what's happened with the Vikings. We knew, like, they were running hot earlier in the year. You know, they break at Don Taylor, and like, we know he's just going to run that Fangio system, right? They're going to run a lot of quarters, play a lot of shell coverage. Uh, and that's what they've done. But, like, you know, you don't have a guy like Harris Smith play center field last week, and guess what happens? You get beat over the top for two touchdowns. Uh, they've just been so bad all season on the outside. Now, what's interesting about this particular game this week is where they're bad is where the Colts don't are are like don't really challenge defenses, right? Yeah. I threw a specific Colts stat in there for you later, uh, just to yeah. see how we could talk about it. But the the Colts do not throw the ball further than ten yards downfield, and that's like where the Vikings are getting absolutely bludgeoned. So it's gonna be an interesting dynamic here to see if the Colts can punch up here and attack the Vikings where they are just completely exploitable. Yeah, we'll talk about that one uh, when we get to the Colts. But the, it is funny, like we're talking about, oh, man, wide receivers can just shred uh, this secondary. The rest of the way for Minnesota, it's Indianapolis, it's the Giants, uh, it's oh. Green Bay, and it's Chicago. It's like who we maybe care, maybe care about two guys, you know, if from from that entire group of receivers. There's not a Rough. lot of uh, there's not a lot of like, you know, big time receivers in that group, to, to say the least. So uh, but we'll talk about the Colts one when we get to that later. That's Next one up here. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. Next one up here. The Ravens have 27 completions of 20 or more yards ahead of only the Giants at 21. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's hard to... We do this show every single week, and I feel like either Dalton or I has some sort of (laughs) embarrassing, like the Ravens are pitiful uh, passing stat every single week, man. There's no no real um, real shortage of them, let's put it that way. But... You know, J.K. Dobbins had a play of 20 more yards uh, last week, although it looked like it took every ounce of him to to make it that far. But yeah, not an offense with a lot of juice at this point, Rich. Yeah, you know what? I, I was going to almost do a defensive stat in there, but I figured since it was a fantasy show, I wouldn't. Like, I threw in a bad Vikings fantasy stat for defense. But yeah, uh, I had a Roquan Smith stat that since they've acquired Roquan Smith, they have allowed the fewest rushing yards per carry. They're second in the NFL in success rate against running back carries. And they've allowed a first down or touchdown, just 11% of those carries, the best rate in the league. So you do on a positive Raven stats, but yeah, they, I mean, that's offense. That's much nicer. That's much nicer. And, and they have some, uh, they've got some interesting running games like the rest of the way. They got Cleveland this week, yeah. obviously Atlanta, who's run the ball really well. They have Pittsburgh, you know, Najee Harris, a big name. They're not exactly a good rushing team. And then uh, Cincinnati to finish the year. And they just came off a of face in Pittsburgh as well. But yeah, this passing game, I mean, you know, I was, I was someone that was real adamant on take, uh, having Jalen Hurts over Lamar Jackson in the preseason. And the first three weeks of the season, buddy, ooh, I was like, oh my goodness, I told all these people not to draft Lamar Jackson. Like, this is, this is yeah. Superman. Like, this is fantasy Superman. 
And it's everything's kind of caught up to the Ravens, right? Rashad Bateman gets injured and the depth just isn't here. And it's kind of all come around. Like we kind of knew this from the surface level. Like what are the Ravens really doing at wide receiver? And oh, uh, it's, oh, man. it's Demarcus Robinson. And uh, that's it. And that's kind of how it's wore out on the field is this team just can't generate any type of shot plays to punch them out of really their entire offense has been like Lamar Jackson, make a play. Yeah. Their depth. I'll take it one step further. Their depth behind, and I'm depth with air quotes over here. Their depth behind Bateman was like laughable. I mean, it to Marcus Robinson couldn't make the Raiders roster rich. Like he got cut by the Raiders in the off season. And he is like their clear cut number one outside receiver. And I know you and I were both on the, like, you got to take second year wide receiver train. I believe we both yeah. we talked about that on your podcast in the off season. And I mean, Bateman was like one of my biggest bets and it was, it was kind of happening. I know that like route participation stuff was not where you'd want it, but he, he was good. Uh, he was looked incredible. The efficiency stats were awesome. Like he was, I think, the guy that was ready to take off. And as soon as it was like literally as soon as the injury happened, then all these Lamar Jackson hasn't thrown uh, you know this many touchdowns since week four. It's like, well, what happened in week four? That was when Bateman got hurt, and they were just not prepared to take that injury at all. And it's 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 been brutal ever since. Yeah, they're they're a tough offense to watch. Now that uh, we might get on their Anthony Brown watch this week. Oh, no, thanks, man. No, no, thanks on that one. All right. Um, <laughs> next one, though. This is a fun offense to watch. Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow has been sacked on just 3.4% of his drop back since week nine. That's the seventh lowest rate after 8.7 prior. That was 34th. That that's that's a big part of the offensive turnaround that's happened here, Rich, for the Bengals the last, uh, you know, like month plus. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. Because we seen them rotate receivers and out of the lineup here. You know, obviously Zach Taylor, last week's hijinks. They lose Tyler Boyd also, right, to start the game. Obviously, we missed Chase for that run out before. So they've been rotating a lot of receivers. Joe Mixon's about, but this offense has still been hyper-productive. And the offensive line has started to gel and come together. And the one thing I will give the Bengals a lot of credit for, and I was critical of them last year, is I thought that they got further on talent than coaching. Mm -hmm. And they've at least, they've gone all year and consistently tried to, to fix things that weren't working. And yep. I think they found stuff over the course of the season this week. So I do want to give Zach Taylor some credit because I've been critical of him in the past. I think that they've done a really good job offensively this year in adjusting. You and I are on the same wavelength there because I said, like, I want to give Zach Taylor a lot of credit for the way they've changed this offense in the middle of the year. But I feel like would have been nice to do some of that in the offseason. Right. Like it shouldn't have, ta shouldn't have taken you this long, but he does deserve the credit. And I think they've um, the way that Burrow has been getting the ball out quick has been really impressive. The way their like route combinations, I think, have changed up a little bit. And I'm, I will be curious if T Higgins or Tyler Boyd or both miss this upcoming game. You know, what does what does Jamar Chase's role look like? I've liked it since he's come back, but, you know, you know obviously in previous uh, iterations, he's been like a, a, a vertical guy for the most part. Um, I've been interested to see if they like they how they incorporate him more into the quick passing game because I think he can do it, but it's not something we've seen a ton from him. Yeah, absolutely. And we saw last week, just if you can just feed him like without those guys on the field, because this is another thing, their depth is bad for as good as they are at the top. The wide receiver depth here is really shot is really, you can exploit it. Who fast. is Trenton Irwin? Who rich? Who is Trenton yeah, Irwin? No clue really. Uh, but <laughs> this, this looks a lot like the Devonte Adams situation, right? If it ends up being where T Higgins doesn't play this week, like mm. where you lose Waller, or you lose Renfro. And it's just like, all right, well, we have to throw it 30% of the time to Devonte Adams. Sometimes we'll approach 40%. Last week they threw the ball 47% of the time to Jamar Chase. So listen, if we can get that kind of run out, like there could be a really huge run out for the people that have Jamar Chase. And we're waiting for him to come back for these fancy playoffs. 
against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that just got shredded by Brock Purdy. So um, <laughs> that would be pretty tempting. Speaking of Brock Purdy, the 49ers are our next team, but we're going to save them for the back end on Thursday okay. night football here. Uh, so we're going to go to the Dolphins next. Uh, over the last two weeks, Tua has completed six of 17 passes for 6.4 yards per attempt over the middle of the field. Rich, we know that's important because Tua loves that middle of the field, man. But there's been a lot that's happened that both these teams the last two weeks, 49ers and Chargers, have taken away the middle of the field for Tua. Yeah, and you know, I was willing to give him a pass because we know like what the 49ers do is to take they take away the middle of the field from everybody. Like they've been going against the Rams for years, right? Like they they can play a lot of that cover three when you have a guy like Fred Warner, right? And it's like, all right, it's like getting D'Amico Ryan's disrupting Tua and getting him to to come out of his shell was one thing, but then the the Chargers were miserable defensively coming into that yeah. game Sunday night, and they were missing like three legit starters, and yeah. they, they came and took away the same thing and were able to disrupt Tua. And the question here now is we left holding. It's like, these are the first two like real matchups the Dolphins have had over like the past six weeks, like coming to a four matchup. I know I brought it up on uh, one of our shows. It's like, all right, well, the Dolphins, like this is a litmus test game. Like, it's, like they've been beating up the Browns, the Lions, the Bears. Like, let's see them punch up. And they didn't. And now you're going into Buffalo after two West Coast trips and for the division. And like, yeah, it's, is this a game where they get right? And then if you're in a fantasy spot with Tua, like, what do you do? Do you stream for him? Do you like, how do you handle the situation? Yeah. Uh, my brother-in-law was asked me that this morning. He's like, I've got two and I'm considering playing like Brock Purdy. If he plays over him, I'm considering playing some other streamers uh, over Tua, and like, I was like, let's table this conversation. We'll, we'll come back to this one. Let me think on it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, no, I hear you because what the, what the, 49ers and especially the Chargers put on film against Tua like other teams mm-hmm. are going to see that and and the fact that the Chargers did it like Brandon Staley I think is a great defensive game planner and even if his defense hasn't been what like is expected he can still roll out in a one game scenario a really good game plan but so can Leslie Frazier in Buffalo right like and having that robber safety come down while basically just all like all their corners leveraged and to, to push these guys outside Tyreek and Waddle and like Waddle and Tyreek can beat press coverage. Waddle and Tyreek can beat man coverage, but are the route combinations like I mean it's crazy when you watch the that game on film, the 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 Chargers and Dolphins game. Tua, even if the even if the safety is showing that that middle of the field is closed, he's still looking at the middle of the field routes. He's still looking at Jalen Waddle on the dig. So it's it would be honestly it takes a big leap of faith, despite what Tua has done for the course of the season, to say like, oh yeah, he can go in on a Saturday night game in Buffalo and and like it'll be fine. It would be a hell of a coaching yeah. job, obviously, by by Mike McDaniel if they're suddenly like an outside the numbers passing offense because it's just not what they've done at all this year. Yeah, 100%. And what's interesting, too, is they haven't been an outside the numbers passing offense, and they haven't really been in the yards after the catch team, which is what everyone kind of thought the transition, you know, Mike McDaniel's taking this high yak offense, and he's got Waddle, he's got Tyreek. They actually, I think they're 31st in the NFL in, in yak as a team. So it's interesting to see how they're going to calibrate. But did we talk about this just with Zach Taylor, right? Like now this is Mike McDaniel's first test. Now show mm-hmm. us, recalibrate this thing, get us back on track, because the players are still there. Um so, yeah, I'm really curious to see how people are going to handle this. I have two in the league, and I don't know really what I'm doing yet with the view there. Yeah, it's tough. Like uh, I was yeah. looking at Matt Ryan, like, saying, like, am I really going to play Matt Oh, Ryan? God. Oh, God. Can you imagine, like, t- can you imagine telling yourself, like, 
four weeks ago, you know what you're gonna you're gonna be thinking about there in, in week 15, the first round of the fantasy playoffs. You're gonna be thinking about benching Tua and playing old Matt Ryan as he's getting driven yeah, into yeah. the dirt like for the tenth time by the Steelers or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely uh, I definitely am starting Matt Ryan against you in that dynasty league though. Oh, terrific. Well, uh, I, I better dial back all my uh, Michael Pittman optimism this week and, and try to manifest something good there. Uh, I might hey, I might be I'm probably going to play Brock Purdy over Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so as long as he's out there. So let you, I'll let you know that I do love it. how let's do it, man. Brock Purdy versus Matt Ryan for uh, for all my dignity. Let's go for it. Um, all right. That is a tough one. We're going to talk more about that. I'm sure on the preview show tomorrow with um, with Scott and Andy, uh, what to do about Tua because it's it's a tough debate. But we'll move on to the Giants here, who have been a tough team to watch over the last month or so. Saquon Barkley has now rushed 53 times for 152 yards. That is a beautiful 2.86 yards per carry over his past four games. His 24.5 percent rushing success rate is 38th out of 38 qualifying backs over that span with just three carries of 10 or more yards. I mean, talk about a guy that carried you early in the year and mm-hmm. is now limping you into the fantasy playoffs as Saquon Barkley, man. Yeah, it's it's really tough here, this run out. And you know, fantasy football is like that, right? Sometimes guys get you there, but sometimes you need a closer, right? And so mm-hmm. We've seen the guys like Tim Hightower has done it before, uh, you know, Rashad Penny last year. Sometimes you have to pull these guys out and they, they pull you out from the depth. It's not always the guys that got you this far. And Saquon feels like one of those guys, especially in this matchup on the road as a road dog uh, against the Washington team that is second in the league in success rate against running back carries. Uh, the one good news is like the Giants have to win this game. So like I have yeah. to imagine the touches are going to be here. So just we're just throwing touches at the wall. But from an efficiency stance, I don't see how we could expect really any type of like ceiling here. No, I, I don't either. And like just from a from a rankings perspective, like it's hard to put him as a clear cut RB one, right? Like, I mean, I, I really do feel you're hard pressed to say like, I've got a bunch of options better than Saquon and I'm going to park him right. on my bench. But just from like an expectation standpoint, it would be great to have like one of those closers um, alongside. I know the lions defense has been great this week, but like Zonovan Knight, or, yeah. and they play this week, like Zonovan Knight might end up being that closer for us this year. Um, Cause he's clearly jumped to the top of the, that running back depth chart. But like, yeah, I, Again, the Lions' run defense has been great. They're one of these uh, teams that have shut down Saquon Barkley over the last four weeks. But I might think like a guy like Zonovan Knight has a better range of outcomes than Saquon Barkley does this week. And it's just tough uh, when when these guys, like I said, limp into the playoffs like this. Yeah, I mean, you might have a Pacheco. You might have a Zonovan Knight uh, in the same game. I mean, it's, it's not sexy, but Brian Robinson has over 100 yards the last two games. And the Giants are objectively bad against the run. He's a home favorite. Like, there's... It's it's it. I know it's tough to bench these guys when the money's on the line, right? Like you get here, we talk about Tua, right? Like you're here because of Tua. You're here because right. of what Saquon did. They were good draft picks. Uh, they were good pickups. But it's a one. It's one and done here. You got to put your best lineup on the field this week. Brian Robinson, there's another guy going against you in that dynasty league this week, man. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. very happy, and he's uh, most importantly, Brian Robinson's on my mom's fantasy team. So we're happy to have Brian Robinson <laughs> back in this household. <laughs> uh, speaking of Washington. That's our next team up here. Since Taylor Heineke took over, Terry McLaurin has 30.8% of the team targets. That's third among wideouts. 51.1% of the team air yards. That is first among wide receivers and has been targeted on 27.9% of his routes. That's sixth among wide receivers. And Rich, you know that that stat goes right to the top of my heart. So I appreciate you bringing it here on the show. Yeah, because, you know, Washington hasn't thrown a lot with Taylor Heineke. They've had some really good game scripts and they've really gone a gone ground and pound when they could with Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. 
Uh, and I still don't think that McLaurin's been appreciated how good he's been over this stretch. It is a little bit of irony that Taylor Heineke getting reinserted in the lineup was like, finally they started using Terry McLaurin again because it was all Curtis Samuel like the first six weeks of the season with Car- Carson Wentz. But Terry McLaurin's been playing really great football the past six weeks. Yeah, I, well, I think part of that, and you know I love Curtis Samuel, but I was coming on the show like almost every week and said like, we're we're kind of overusing Curtis Samuel at this point. Like we need to we need to stop. Okay. But I think a lot of that is Carson Wentz. Like the design plays to Curtis Samuel are really cool, but he's such like a scatterbrained player and like he's got a, a real wonky trigger finger when he gets under pressure that like just getting it to Curtis Samuel real quick that makes a lot of sense to to Carson Wentz but the matchups the rest of the way for Washington they got New York this week like New York is definitely an exploitable defense their their defense has regressed along with their offense over the course of the year San Francisco that's not a lot of fun Cleveland that's a team that I'll talk about Brian Robinson week 17 uh Cleveland that should be pretty great and then Dallas uh, week 18 there's definitely some matchups where I think that that pass volume for Washington's going to come down, but we do know that when they throw, they're looking at Terry, and, and that's great. That's a good thing there. Um, all right, next team up here, Los Angeles Chargers. 52.9% of the Chargers' set of downs reach third down ahead of only the Broncos at 53.4%. I mean, this offense is so – it's so frustrating, man. Such a frustrating group, but at least we've got – handle- like the- how do you handle talking about the? Char- I don't. I you know. I don't. I wish I had the capacity to listen to everything you do, Matt Harmon. But you That's do fine. podcast with Austin Eckler. How is it uh, talking about the Chargers with Austin Eckler and the offense they're running? Well, uh, let me tell you what. If there's anybody that's um, pretty damn frustrated, it's it's Austin Eckler. Like the guy is inc- incredibly. Um, incredibly self self-critical so uh i save most of my joe lombardi critiques for episodes <laughs> <laughs> the episodes we tape on monday wednesday thursday uh and usually uh sunday night as well when i mean they're playing so many damn sunday night games that we haven't uh, we haven't actually been talking about them on sunday very often but yeah i save most of my joe lombardi criticism for other shows but uh yeah austin very very critical guy uh in anything he's involved in so yeah he's got no problem criticizing uh the chargers that's for sure yeah, even last week was with us when Herbert played out of his mind. They're still constantly got it. They have to be bailed out on these third downs, right? Like they're not. Yeah, I mean, getting... they score like twenty, some, like twenty something points. He plays an unbelievable game. It's like, oh, beautiful. They scored. Was it twenty four points? Whoop, whoopee! And he threw one touchdown. Um, yeah, the, the, the early down stuff. This team's just got to be better on early downs, and it's been kind of a bugaboo for them all year. Uh, and we know that this particular matchup this week, like this, is tailor made for like the. The Chargers, right? Because the Chargers mm-hmm. can't run the football and they don't, I, they might want to, but they don't really try. And yeah. the Titans, they only stop the run and they don't yeah. want to throw. So it's just going to be a high drop back game, like the entire game. Yeah. I, Austin and I talked yesterday about it and he's, <laughs> he's like, it's like, just get, just expect like, 12 catches again this week okay like you're not you're not as you i know he was very critical of the run game wants to fix the run game for sure but it's that's not i was like that's not happening in this matchup this is a, <laughs> this is a good run defense so be prepared for another like 12 catches that by the way he hates the, he hates the catches but uh or hates the catches stat but it's a whole nother conversation uh, <laughs> um uh all right we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we will be discussing some far dustier teams uh than we have so far Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? 
more confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And we're back. Let's get it started with the New England Patriots. The Patriots have punted on 50.9% of their drive since week nine. That is ahead of only the Broncos. I love, by the way, in back-to-back teams here, it's been like, hey, this offense has really been uh, stinking up the joint lately. We're right there with the Broncos, which you know that ain't a good thing. Yeah, anytime you can, because everyone inherently knows how bad the Broncos have just been. Like when you say, oh, it's the worst offense, people just be like, oh, the Broncos. So anytime someone's next to them is that, it's really great to illuminate, right? Oh, this would yeah. be really bad then. Is it that bad? Like, this would be really bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, this offense, uh, what was the what was the quote that last week from the Cardinals head coach? This this is a uh, an offense that looks like a defensive coordinator is, is calling plays. Yeah, uh, Van Joseph, I think, was, was the one who said, like, yeah, it looks <laughs> yeah. like that. I mean, give me a break, man. Yeah, it's just been a, it's just been a struggle for the Patriots. If they're not, you know, there's a reason why Ramondre Stevenson has like the target share he does, right? Uh, it's the same reason yeah. why Austin Eckler has the target share he does. Uh, for for a large byproduct, they're just they're bad at running the ball in early downs. Uh, they, they can't generate anything on third downs where they don't have the playmakers like the Chargers do to at least bail them out on the third downs because Mac Jones isn't Herbert. They don't have Austin Eckler. Um, it's just been a real struggle for the Patriots, and they're facing this Raiders defense that we want to exploit weekly especially through passing games uh but they just faced the arizona cardinals who are the same team and mac jones threw one touchdown pass or did throw a touchdown pass again and that was he's now has thrown one or fewer touchdown passes in every game but one so can the patriots get us there can they get anything for no. us can they do no. anything for us no i don't think so right like stevenson's injured now like i, I he looks like he might be a long shot to play this mm-hmm. week so now you're got you got pierre strong and harris and like i mean i just Stevenson was like the one interesting thing in this offense that if he's out of there, I'm I'm out as well. (laughs) Uh, All right. Next team up here, an offense. that's definitely interesting. And I I love this stat, the jets uh, against man coverage. Garrett Wilson has a team high 31.2% target share. The next closest jet is at 12%. I mean, I've been saying for a few weeks now, Rich, it's like, everybody's a rotational player. Although Elijah Moore's role has gotten back up and that that's great to see. Um, but like everybody in New York's a rotational player, except for Garrett Wilson, man. Yeah. And that sad is particularly relevant this weekend because Detroit plays man coverage at the fifth highest rate in the NFL. We know they're an aggressive defense. So I know a lot of people have been steaming up the, the, you know, Elijah Moore rising from the ashes like a Phoenix. And we want that. I know you and I both want that to happen too as yeah. well, but this looks like a Supreme runout spot for Garrett Wilson. You also kind of talked about uh, a little bit about Zonovan Knight and how the Lions have been playing great run defense uh, since they've been on back from by. But what that's done is just funnel people to attacking them through the worst part of their defense, yeah. which is yeah. their, the secondary play. They Since the bye, they've allowed the most receptions and yards to opposing wide receivers. So them shoring up their run game has actually kind of helped us a little bit. Yeah, it really has. And, and I think Minnesota was the first team in a while that could really put them to the test right I mean Buffalo obviously they had a, they had some good moments there with Steph Diggs but we talked on Thanksgiving but we talked about like how you know, some opportunities Davis, out there yeah yeah uh, and even Isaiah McKenzie that was his biggest game in like forever was against this Detroit Lions team then they get Jacksonville and like I love Christian Kirk but like you can miss me with the rest of the Jacksonville receivers and then Minnesota was like the first team like okay we can come out here and really test this group as a passing game and they just that was Kirk's probably Kirk Cousins' best game all year, at least from an efficiency standpoint. And I feel like Mike White, as long as he's good to go, we just I just don't want to have the specter of Zach Wilson as the number two quarterback now, like hanging over our head, which unfortunately we do. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. This would be a spot, I think, for Mike White to start cashing in some of those red zone opportunities they've left on the board here the last two weeks. Yeah, 100%. All right, Seahawks are next. We're going to leave them for Thursday Night Football. Tennessee Titans, they have allowed a minus 1,404 fewer passing yards uh, than their opponents uh, this season. That is the largest differential in the entire league, and it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're great at stopping the run. They want to be a run-first offense. Uh, what's funny is that they, they've actually been better kind of throwing the football of late, and they've had to be more aggressive, and their offense has looked a little bit better for it. Uh, but this, this pass defense just can't get out. Of, it can't help itself right now. They have too many injuries, like too many guys have gotten hurt and it's actually hurting them that their run defense is so good. It's crazy. You want them. It's like, please be, be- worse against the run, right? Like that's right. They would benefit the Titans to give up some run plays. <laughs> I know. Right. Well, Hey, they're going to be able to run the ball this week on the chargers. That's for sure. Um, th- there's at least that, that should be just a really interesting mix. And then obviously they get Houston. They're a team you run all over. We talked about that. And then they finish with Dallas um, in week 17. So, you know, trail trailing Burks is still in the concussion protocol as, a, as of Wednesday. And like, I did, I, yeah, I don't think there's any saving this passing attack. That's, that's the problem. Like it's been great that like Chigo Conquo's shown up here. That's been awesome <laughs> to see. Um, but man, yeah, I don't, I don't see a lot of juice coming from the passing game and yeah, this pass defense, it's, it's, a, it's, it's rough. Yeah. It, it'd be great if they could, they could allow a few more rushing points, but I don't see that one coming. We've talked about the lines a lot. We'll talk about them here. Just 23% of the Detroit drives have failed to gain a first down or touchdown prior. That's the lowest rate in the league, man. I mean, this offense is cooking, uh, but rich, this offense is cooking and there's been all this, I mean, absurd Jared Goff discourse on football oh, yeah. Twitter. The, uh, Why are we go, doing this? Dude, go go outside. Come on. If you're going to sit here and argue about Jared Goff online in the year 2022, give me a freaking break. Go outside. But <laughs> It, this does look like the week where Jared Goff and some of all these like efficiency stats and sort of run into run into the ground here. It's an outdoor game. It's the Jets' great defense. Where are we at with Jared Goff and the Lions this week? Yeah, this is where we were with the Dolphins. I think a few weeks ago, right? Like almost an identical spot. Like the Dolphins yeah. are putting up all these Boku numbers, just elite efficiency. Then that it's great when you're doing it against the the Lions and the Bears and the Browns, and then you head into San Francisco, right? That's where we are because you look at the lines. They did. They were productive on Thanksgiving, but you know they faced the Bears recently, the Giants, the Jaguars the week before this, uh, the Vikings. You know that's this is where they can try to prove it to us, right? Like show us you're for real, right here. Right. Uh, we we do know what Jared Goff is, but the rest of this, like Ben Johnson and like the actual offense itself, this is a big litmus test for that. Yeah, no, it's a it's a big litmus test for the offense and the skill position guys too. Because yeah, it's great mm-hmm. when. I mean, I think Amon Ross St. Brown's like a superstar. I think he's ready. He's ready to to join those rank of players. Um, I love love the improvement he's made against beating man coverage this year. And even though he's been a great zone coverage beater, he's shown us a lot. But you know, guys like DJ Chark, Jamison Williams, just getting his feet wet in the NFL. Like, if those guys can still have big moments against a team like the Jets, then yeah, we're starting to like okay, this offense is yeah. is really really good. But I'm I'm sort of in believe it before I see it uh, territory or see it. We need to see it before I believe. And it. And we've already seen Goff have a really good season, better than the one he's having. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'm saying about the golf thing, man. It's like we this is not this is not shocking. Like when the ecosystem is good. I think that's what people don't realize is that this is a good ecosystem. Uh, what's mm-hmm. going on there with Ben Johnson, what's going on with this offensive line and these skill position guys. But when the ecosystem is good, Goff is not, he's not as bad as the player that McVay uh, thought he was like publicly dumping in such an aggressive way. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of that stink is still on him there. Speaking of stink, 
the Bucks. They stink. They're 31st in the league in explosive play rate, uh, 9.7%, and 32nd in explosive rushing play rate at 4.5%. I'm done with the Bucks, man. I don't, yeah. I don't want to see this team. I don't want to watch this team anymore. <laughs> it's funny. That was my uh, my take on this show that we had about the you know the NFC playoff picture. I'm like, I'm just pretty good if I don't have to watch the Buccaneers play any more football. Like, just really yeah. good with it. Uh, and we, we, we talk about the range of outcomes. This was something that was kind of like existed. Like, right. This isn't like a hindsight thing. Like we knew their offensive line was banged up. We knew Tom Brady was, was old. Uh, we knew that their running game probably wasn't going to be as good. Uh, and we knew that Chris Godwin was coming off of a really significant injury. And outside of Mike Evans, the depth at wide receiver wasn't that great. Like it's, yeah. it's not like hugely shocking worth at this point, but this offense just cannot gain this. It, it, it it's not as bad personnel wise as that last Patriots team that Brady carried in the playoffs, but like it's very similar into like the output that they have. It is funny. Like if you go back and on paper, right, everything looks really great for Tampa Bay. I mean, like the receiver depth again on paper looked really good because the names were good, right? Like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, Julio Jones. I mean, Russell Gage is like, he has that little, little touchdown last week. I'm like, I keep forgetting this guy's on the team um julio jones like we know all of these guys my point is like they all had these drastic floors with them julio has a drastic floor godwin drastic floor because of the injury the one guy who seemed like oh he doesn't he should be a total safe bet is mike evans and he's been the most <laughs> the most frustrating player in the nfl this year yeah tough run out last week for mike evans i mean he's the 70 yarder called back brady misses him on another wide open fourth down in the end zone uh, it's just been just been a real frustrating run for Mike Evans. You can kind of visibly see it on all the when you watch the Buccaneers too. Like they they are playing like a team that like knows they're not playing good. And some of yeah. these other teams that we bring these stats up for these bat that are in this area, they are still just out here playing. But like when you watch the Bucks, it's like it looks like everybody's stressing. Yeah, it it's it's a team that's playing tight. It feels like and. I don't know. Part I think part of that comes back to to the coaching change in the off season mm-hmm. and and yeah, I, there's there were so many warning signs going into it about Tampa Bay and um if I I definitely glossed over some of them and I, I wish I hadn't. Um next team up here in the NFC we're going to go through the NFC South run which is probably a good <laughs> sign that I need to start speeding these up. Atlanta Falcons on the season. Atlanta is 13% below pass rate uh, expectation. They rank 32nd in early down pass rate in neutral game scripts. Um does any of that change with Desmond Ritter though? Probably not. Rookie quarterback. Rich is already shaking his head for the podcast audience. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, rookie quarterback, Arthur Smith, that combination. And because Ritter also at Cincinnati wasn't like a guy you were going to have drop back you know, like 35 right. times. That it wasn't his game either. So I find that hard to believe. Uh, it's a bummer because uh, I don't know what to make of like Drake London this week, right? We had to buy of him coming off of the 12 target game. And it's like, all right, there's this, this inkling of hope, right? Mm-hmm. Also, there's this huge body of work that says otherwise that we can't trust him. So uh, tell me what you're doing, with Drake London, this week. I'm going to let myself get a little excited about Drake London because um, the opportunities should. It, yeah, it's it's tough to project the 12 again. I don't think we're getting anywhere close to 12. That would be like a pie in the sky scenario. However, and, and again, I, I see this all the time with the Falcons, like Arthur Smith is a good play designer. He just designs plays to like guys we in fantasy don't care about, but the plays work, right? Like Olamide Zacchaeus yeah. plays work. The Demir Bird plays. Michael Pruitt. Um, yeah, the Michael, the damn Michael Pruitt plays. They work. Um, <laughs> but 
Drake London, like when he's asked to win as like a big boy, real life NFL receiver, he really does. Um, the pa- I think Mariota's just been so terrible that um, I have definitely gotten myself in trouble over the years saying, well, it can't be any worse. But man, <laughs> it, it can't be much worse than what Mariota was doing out there. Yeah, we hope. But fingers crossed. Yeah, I think I'll probably just again, I think it'll probably be like a volatile wide receiver three for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And the matchups like kind of whatever there against uh, new Orleans who they haven't been as good defensively uh, as we would have hoped, but lately they've been a little bit better. Uh, Again, let's stick in the NFC South here. Unfortunately, the Panthers have had a passing rate 15% below expectation in Sam Darnold's two starts, man. I mean, again, 38 carries to Dante Foreman, Chuba Hubbard and uh, Blackshear there. It's not even like, oh, wow, they've got like a murderer's row, a stable Mm -hmm. of backs there. Nah, they're they're just they're running the piss out of the ball with a bunch of guys that are kind of like end of the roster players. Yeah, and that's kind of what they've done since Steve Wilkes has taken over, right? It's not even just a Darnold thing. Like, you know, go back to that first game when uh, they took over from that role against the Bucs. Like, they're they're just pounding the football, like literally every, every game. They're just relying on that defense. Uh, we might not have a, we might have a limited DJ Moore in this game too. So this is a game like I don't know if you'll see this if Scott if you're watching Scott Hanson in the red zone. I don't know how often you'll get to this one. Uh, <laughs> might be a lot of field goals. Uh, not a high score here. There's a there's also another game on this slate. Which you haven't brought up either stat for those teams that could potentially be worse than this one. Well, no surprise if they haven't been brought up yet. It's no surprise why. <laughs> um, next game up here. Cleveland Browns, since returning from the bye, Nick Chubb is 25th out of 26 running backs in success rate, 28%, and 25th among the same group in rate of runs to go for a first down or touchdown. You know, this has definitely been a talking point that since Watson has come back, the entire offense has, obviously he has not played well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, he, the the offense has looked bad and the run game has really suffered, but you you bring up the point that it actually isn't just coincided with Watson returning. It's actually been more of a recent trend. Yeah, I mean, you can go back multiple weeks and, and the run game is kind of faltered. You know, they did run well against Tampa Bay, but, you know, even before that, it's been kind of a, a, a tougher sledding here for Nick Chubb. You know, go back to that, that Bills game, they absolutely got nothing going on the ground that game as well. Um, and maybe this was always kind of because We know Nick Chubb is this kind of uh, fantasy play, right? Like he's, he's reliant on efficiency and we've been spoiled by his efficiency because he's literally arguably probably the best runner of the football in the, in the league, but he doesn't catch a lot of passes. And if he doesn't score touchdowns and he's not, getting efficient runs then the fantasy floor kind of drops right we do get to catch him as a home favorite but again he also is going against that that roquan smith set that i threw in there on the extra one like the ravens have been just phenomenal against the run of late so it's gonna be fun to see a strength on strength matchup in a game that also might not make the red zone very often no no, i i don't think so um To, again, to to bring it to our fantasy uh, battles, Rich, not in that Dynasty League, but in the Apex Writers League, if I beat Mike Clay with Nick Chubb this week, we play each other next week because you got the number one seed in that one, pal. You've been absolutely dominant in that league. Yeah, I've got the Eagle stack in that one, the Jalen Hurts-Arthur Juan combo. Well, terrific. So I can't wait to, if I even beat Mike Clay this week, I'll just get filleted by you next week. That should be just terrific. Uh, yeah, that's another one that I also uh, have I would love. on your team. Your co-host is on that team, so. Oh, well, that'll be great. I can't wait to tell Austin that, uh, you know, he hammer dropped me out of a league uh, personally. I think I think he'll actually really appreciate that. So that's good. You know, what? if it's good for the content, I'll take the that's right for sure. You, you have always <laughs> been content first. So uh, we'll take exactly it. right. Yeah, I will take do it for the, the brand. Do it for the brand. Do it for the content. All right. Green Bay Packers are averaging 2.6 points per drive over their past four games. That's fifth in the league after averaging 1.5 points per drive 
Uh, prior to that, that was 28th in the league. Yeah, I think it's kind of quiet because the Packers have been so irrelevant, but mm-hmm. they've certainly turned their offense around. And a lot of it obviously has to do with the fact Christian Watson has emerged, I think. Yeah, it's just finding one playmaker, right? Now it's not Aaron Jones because the front half there was just like, all right, well, did Aaron Jones make a big play? Okay, we probably didn't do anything this drive. Um, yeah, because what the interesting thing is the Packers have been a lot better offensively and like Rodgers hasn't really gone along for the ride. It's not like Rodgers has been like this elite fantasy quarterback, but they're just getting more production and getting more scoring opportunities. And a guy like Christian Watson can also make the guys, the running backs better because we just get some more splash plays involved. We get more scoring chances. Uh, yeah, the Rams uh, and the Packers play on Monday night this week. So that should be an interesting one because, uh, I mean, uh, interesting. More, uh, more Rams uh, primetime games. I think we have one next week as well. They play Christmas Day. They play Christmas, yeah, against the Broncos. Merry Christmas, oh. folks. <laughs> Give them some coal. Oh, I know. I know. That one looks oh, so good God. when they said it in August, though. Uh, yeah, no, no. I'll, uh, I'll tell you something funny about that game and, and our Christmas plans uh, after we record because it's too mean <laughs> to say. It's too mean to say on air. So I'll tell you. Afterwards. All right, move on. Jacksonville Jaguars. Christian Kirk has been targeted on 22.2% of his routes, while Zay Jones has been targeted on 22.6% of his routes. Kirk has a 27.9% team air yard share and a depth of target of 8.6, while the great Zay Jones has a 24.5% share of the team air yards and a depth of target of 8.2. From an expected points stance, Rich, Kirk is the wide receiver 11, while Jones is wide receiver 14, but Kirk is 10 in actual scoring. Jones is 28th. What do we make of all this Jones nonsense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, objectively, that just goes to show you that, like, hey, Christian Kirk's probably a better player than Zay Jones. But the opportunity has the opportunity for Zay Jones has been equal to Christian Kirk, where I think if you look at most fantasy rankings, there the gap is a lot further than probably where you see that. And I think we, that's why we've seen some of the oscillation in the past couple of weeks, because uh, Zay Jones has finally made some of those opportunities stick when he wasn't cashing them in. And he tried to put a bunch more down last week, but you know, he tried his dude. He tried his best to have a bad game against the Titans, but God bless him. He ended up making it happen. Um, They get the Cowboys this week, do the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that's a little hit or miss. I mean, the pass rush obviously is awesome, but they've had so many injuries in the secondary that like, I think Zay Jones could have a game there. Then they get the the jets. That's, you know, another conversation, but they finished with the, yeah, they finished with the Titans uh, and the Texans in, in reverse order actually. But, and you know, they can, run all over Houston I guess but um still I think you know from an efficiency standpoint they can they can get beat uh, on passing plays there so Zay Jones could have um a decent finish and by the way um Zay Jones and Donovan Peoples uh Jones they're like two guys to me who just like okay here's the deal you can be not good but if you're going to stand there and run every single route basically for your team you're going to you're going to put up some level of production it's going to be hard to figure out where it is but like I don't need I don't need people talking about like oh hey look at this look at this guy it's like come on man like if you stand there you put Rich out there for a hundred percent ninety five percent of the routes he's gonna put up some numbers yeah I don't have the yak game in me anymore at, at my age but I'll I'll get I'll get open yeah you look you looking svelte you're looking good you'll be you'll be uh you'll be shredding some of these at least these Titans cornerbacks man give yourself some credit um, next game up here. Uh, next next team up here, Las Vegas Raiders. Josh Jacobs now has 150 touches over his past five games with at least 27 touches in all of those games. He has 833 total yards in those games to go along with five touchdowns. Josh Jacobs has been awesome. Yeah, and you know, I thought last week, you know, going into that game, it's like, all right, he's had all these all these carries, right? You know, he had, he had 27 the, the 
touches the week before. You had 39 before that, 27 before that. I'm like, short week. They're playing the Rams. They're going to be like, they're going to alleviate this this guy's workload, right? Not a chance. The dude no. popped, had to pop his finger back in, and he's still out there, and they're trying to throw passes to him. He's clearly, they're just, they're just jamming him with all the opportunity in the world. Uh, this is a fun matchup in particular because it's kind of like a strength-on-strength matchup mm-hmm. because uh, he is second in the league in, in rate of carries that go for a first nine or touchdown, and the Patriots are number one in the NFL uh, against running backs in that same category. Uh, but yeah, Josh Jacobs kind of the skeleton key to fantasy drafts this year because he was a robust running back dead zone hero. And then when everyone got scared in the preseason, he became like a, uh, an anchor running back zero RB hero where he fell. So he's kind of fit all team builds. And I imagine a lot of teams are playing this weekend because of Josh Jacobs. And he does run into a tough defense this week and then the Steelers after that and the 49ers after that. So um, some of that will all be put to the test, but the amount of work they're giving him, it feels very... I don't want to put this in the air for, for Josh Jacobs, but it feels very like DeMarco Murray with the mm-hmm. Cowboys esque where they just pounded him and then like let him walk into free agency. Like I hope they don't do that because he's been such like a cool revelation for them, but I don't know. It gives me a little bit of those vibes. So mm-hmm. again, hate to put that in the air. Uh, the aforementioned Pittsburgh Steelers are our next team here. Uh, they're last in the NFL in explosive play, a uh, passing play uh, rate. That's no surprise at 9.3%. Uh, that means a play explosive passing plays gains over 15 yards uh, for the uninitiated out there. And Hey, it feels like that watching the Steelers this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's been bad. It's been real bad watching the Steelers. Uh, you know, now we're getting Mitchell Trubisky maybe back for a short week. But yeah, Kenny Pickett is yeah, yeah, really yeah, yeah. gunshot. You know, it's not a lot of deep targets. Uh, this offense just really is a struggle bus. What do you want to say? It's like the Ravens stat. It's just you, you see what you, the stat bears out what you witness every weekend. Yeah, we can go ahead and move on. I hate there's no offense I hate talking about more than the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we can go ahead and move on and talk about another brilliant unit here in the Indianapolis Colts. Michael Pittman. Ah. Uh, yeah. Michael Pittman has just one reception this year on a target of over 20 yards downfield. Uh, and he has three targets uh, of that variety, which is absolutely painful, Rich. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I knew my audience here, uh, you know, obviously Michael <laughs> Pittman uh, is a guy that, you know, a lot of gamers were excited about. We were excited about this, this, this season for Michael Pittman. And I don't think he's been bad. It's just the offense has made him look like Jacoby Myers. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's God. That that's the name. And and I like Myers, but come on, man. This is Michael Pittman we're talking about. The role is bad. Anybody, but he's facing a team like we inherently, like I said. Yep. The style make does a style make fights here. Is this a week where the Colts push the ball at all? Because outside boundary receivers have absolutely flooded the Vikings. Uh, you know, that's where Pittman is at. So it's like, uh, like is this a week? Is this a week for Michael Pittman? I think so. I'm going to get excited about it. I mean, Pittman's such a good player, and I think he's played really well this year. Um, there's been some missed opportunities here and there, but you can nitpick that with like every wide receiver in the NFL. Um, Alec Pierce actually is interesting in, to me in this matchup, mm-hmm. too, from like a much deeper standpoint, just because, like we said, the ways that Minnesota gets beaten, they have flung the ball downfield. It's like all contested stuff because Matt Ryan's lollipop arm is is uh, <laughs> is the one giving those passes downfield, but they have flung the ball downfield to Alec Pierce a little bit here. So those two guys definitely interest me a lot uh, this week. I mean, especially Michael Pittman, man. I, I He's going to be a guy that I think people are down on going in this offseason because of high, how highly he was drafted, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be down on him. I just, they got to figure quarterback out there. Just got to do it. Um, talk about a depressing franchise here. 
Arizona Cardinals. Over his past four games, James Conner has handled 89 of 100 backfield touches and has scored five touchdowns. Hey, they're going to have to lean on him more because Kyler Murray and well, oh, and Rondell Moore have been placed on IR. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Kyler injury is a, is a huge bummer because, uh, you know, Kyler's one of those guys I think that gets kind of unnecessarily dragged uh, through through the media. Um, Even by former teammates like Patrick Peterson. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, definitely he could be playing better, but I, I think he's definitely a lot better than player than people give credit for. I think a lot of teams would be really willing to have Kyler Murray on their team, but a lot of fantasy teams that have James Conner should feel really good because he's got that kind of Josh Jacobs role, right? That we talked about, like Josh Jacobs is able to just be dominant because he's getting the ball so much. And that's kind of where we are with Conner. I mean, even a couple weeks ago, he faced the 49ers and was able to get by because he was able to score a touchdown. And he just faced New England, who we talked about with Josh Jacobs, had 114 yards and a touchdown. He's just getting the ball so much uh, that he might be one of these kind of heroes if you had him on these rosters that are heading into the postseason. Yeah, um, I think that's definitely true. And just the, the amount of that they've run him out there, despite the injury risk. I mean, he even got a little banged up in that Patriots game. It's just, it's just crazy. Uh, speaking of another guy who's been just like run back out there, I really don't want to trust this, but it's worth asking you about, Rich. Cam Akers, 31 opportunities the last two games alone, three touchdowns, but just 3.5 yards per carry. Uh, where are we at with Cam Akers? Um, I, I really, really don't want to trust a Rams running back at, at all, period. I, or especially, you know, with this. I, I'm not getting excited about the Baker Mayfield stuff. It was great. Awesome what he did on Thursday night, but I don't think that's gonna, a sustainable thing based on Baker Mayfield being Baker Mayfield and this offense being a preseason right. offense. But it's at least a pretty decent spot this week uh, for Cam Akers. So what are we doing here with him? Yeah, how are you going to enjoy when Baker Mayfield is throwing passes to Michael Pittman next year? Get off the show. No, you kind of had Acres is just a, he's, he's a touchdown or bust running back, right? Like they're huge road dogs. Uh, he's run for three and a half yards to carry in each game in the last two weeks, but he's got three touchdowns. So good fantasy deodorant, right? Like touchdowns will always be the best deodorant for fantasy. The matchup's good if they can hang around the scoreboard. Mm. As long as they don't get scripted out, yep. like you can run on the Packers. Uh, you just need to not get scripted out of this game. I will say this about the Rams is like the defense hasn't quit. Nope. For as not bad yet. as the offense has been all year. And you would think, cause, cause you've seen a little of that with the Broncos a little bit, like the Broncos have gotten a little bit worse defensively towards the end of the season. Uh, the Rams, have, they're still putting up a lot of fight. Yeah, they're they're putting up some fight. Uh, we'll see how they do against Green Bay, who, like we said, is is coming off a bye. Offense a little bit revitalized. I'll be interested to see how how that one goes there. Um, all right, next one up here: New Orleans Saints. Since Week Nine, Alvin Kamara is last among all. Your Alvin Kamara on your dynasty team is uh. last among all qualifying running backs with two point eight five yards per carry. However, Rich, we've talked about this uh, a lot on on this show on Fantasy Football Live. Alvin Kamara's schedule to end the year, though. It could, I mean, starting with the Falcons this week, it couldn't like really couldn't possibly be better. Yeah, that's what we're hanging our hat on here. Dennis Allen kind of tried to come out and, and reaffirm that they're going to get him the football, too. He has just two touches inside the five yard line all year. Uh, really rough. This is really just a really rough run out for Alvin Kamara. Like I said, I made that stat in there is like right when I made that trade. So I was I've absorbed all of that. I've really felt it. Uh, uh, absolutely. So we're hoping for the schedule. But I mean, he does take a, a step of faith because this offensive line, once again, just got rampaged again with injuries over the course of the season, just like last year. And they did claim the saints did claim, um, you know, Benjamin. So that's his third team this year. So I figured like. that they were, would claim him the first go around because he had that good Thursday night game against them. 
and teams love like when you when a team they love oh yeah they love when a player beats them up they're like we gotta acquire that guy <laughs> what the, i man so you know must not be a very likable guy it must not be that a, feels a, like a another season have. ago by the way that like you know benjamin had yeah. an awesome game against the saints on thursday night by the way, it was like the week after that everybody was excited about him when he faced <laughs> Seattle the week before. So yeah, he's been a he's been an interesting an interesting um like extra in the story of this season. Just like what the <laughs> hell is the deal with Eno Benjamin? Like uh, yeah, pretty wild stuff. All right, Chicago Bears. Justin Fields had just three design runs in Week 13, his fewest in a game since Week Four. Um, what's your confidence level with Justin Fields and uh, going against the Eagles this week? Yeah, that's the thing is uh, we want those designed runs to be there because that's kind of what has made his ceiling go so bananas over his hot run. Uh, and it's something to be concerned about the shoulders because why would the Bears really put him at risk? I understand why Justin Fields wants to play and why the Bears mm-hmm. want to play, right? Why the Bears want to play him. But why? what's the incentive to continuously like put him at, at risk running the football? Uh, so I'm curious to see what happens, especially in this matchup. Now, this is a, an awful streaming week for quarterbacks. And it's a really tough week for guys that have been hot in matchups. Like we talked about Tua, Goff, uh, Trevor Lawrence has maybe a tougher matchup. Uh, uh, and so like, I don't think you're streaming for fields, but like this isn't probably a spot where I'm not like anticipating like the Boku ceiling game either. Yeah, I think so. I feel like he's a back end QB one because like, who are you going to play over him type of thing? But Gino uh, yeah. also another one of those guys. And, Another terrible matchup with a player that's been good. 100%. All right, next one up here, Denver Broncos. Jerry Judy, oh boy. Jerry Judy has been in and out of the lineup this season, but he has played 60% of the snaps in just seven games of the season, and he finishes as a top 20 scorer in five of those seven games. I would call it a relatively random eruption game from Jerry Judy last week. How are we treating Jerry Judy going forward? Yeah, yeah, he was a guy. He, he won me a bunch of money last week in DFS, Jerry Judy. Nice, good uh, So we're looking to see if Cortland Sutton's out first. And then, secondly, we're looking to see if Brett Ruffin's not playing. <laughs> Those are the, uh, that's, yeah. Maybe know, the mean, first one first. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we're looking for Brett Ruffin not to be the starter first. But, uh, yeah, Judy, I remember, you know, one of my biggest, you know, fallacies as a fantasy gamer. I think all of us have this is that sometimes you get indoctrinated over the eight months of the off season to buying into players. And I remember having you on my show and we both kind of questioned both Denver wide receivers and we're like yeah. we're questioning the offense, but like somehow I kept notching them up in rankings as the off season progressed. Right. Like I felt like I had to like follow the field a little bit. And yeah. um, it's, it's one of the things I regret most. It's not just the context of this. Like I remember last year doing the same thing with Brandon Ayuk a little bit when I was higher on depot. It's just like, it's hard yeah. for fantasy gamers to like, when you hear the same thing for eight months, you're like, maybe I am too low on Cortland Sutton. And yep. like, maybe I am yep. too low on Jerry Judy. Uh, that's And I kind of fell again for that this year. Yeah, I feel I'm I'm the two scenarios that you mentioned there. I'm I'm one for two because obviously I've fell for the Ayuk thing real, real, real hard. Um, but the... The Denver one, I that was one of my takes. I felt the best about that, even to the to the beginning of the season, like the the right before week one. I was still like, I'm not, I'm not buying in on this team at the very least. Like, I was like, I don't think they're gonna get off to this fast start that everybody thinks. Now, I didn't think they'd be like yeah. averaging 13, 14 <laughs> points a game or anything like that. To be fair, but a part, a big part of why I was skeptical and why I don't think I drafted Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy a single time this year was because they were so steamed up and because I don't really buy either player, especially Sutton, but Judy, I will say this about him. And I think the, 
game he had against the Chiefs sort of is, is emblematic of this. I don't think that Judy is like this route running technician that everybody else yeah. thinks he is. I think he's overrated as a as a technician, as a route runner, at least like hasn't sort of sort of ha- I feel this sort of the same way about a guy like Amari Cooper, who I think had a reputation coming into the NFL as this really refined technical route runner. But I've always thought Amari Cooper was more of like a splash big play threat. And I think that's why he's like a volatile producer from a box score standpoint. And I sort of feel like Jerry Judy is the same type of player. So the fact that he has some big eruption week against a defense that's extremely hit or miss in Kansas City and mostly miss is actually not that surprising. Now, am I going to count on that against Arizona, Los Angeles, Kansas City again the rest of the way? I'm not 100% sure, but it's actually it fits with the archetype of receiver that I think he is at least. Excellent. Yeah, I love that. All right, well, last one here. Who gives a damn? Uh, Dario Nguale played 18 snaps over Damian Pierce, was lost <laughs> compared to just five for Rex Burkhead. Do you – I don't I don't care. Do you Listen, care? Listen, you, you made me put a Texan stat in there. <laughs> I know. That is my fault. Uh, who cares? All right, Thursday Night Football, Rich. 49ers are three-and-a-half-point favorites uh, at the Seattle Seahawks. This game means a whole lot for the 49ers. Uh, I know our guy Dalton Del Don is uh, going to be sweating this game for sure. I'll give both of your stats here for these teams. Uh, the 49ers, over his past 17 games played, George Kittle now has a line of 57 catches on 85 targets for 668 yards and five touchdowns. Meanwhile, in Seattle's passing game, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett have been, oh, I love I love this. I mean, inject this right into my veins. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett have been top 24 scores in seven games together this season. That's happened six over the previous uh, three seasons. Yeah, that's awesome stat. I mean, that's just beautiful stuff, but this team, look, there's a lot of fantasy players team care teams care about, um, in this one, uh, how do you feel? How do, how do you see this one, uh, playing out and specifically on the 49ers side, BCB, Brandon, Ayuk, how excited can I get about these guys? <laughs> yeah, this game kind of feels like, uh, it could be a little bit of a slugfest, right? I mean, you know, short mm-hmm. week game, uh, Brock Purdy was banged up. He's got an oblique injury. We don't know how serious that is. It sounds like he's going to play. We talked about, you know, Kenneth Walker, you know, coming back off that injury on a short week. Uh, I'm real curious to see how the the Seattle offense plays. I mean, Gino hasn't played his best football the past couple weeks like he was earlier in the year with turnovers, but he's still making enough plays. When they played earlier in the season, everything was still kind of fresh. Uh, I want to see like, these teams go against the, uh, each other where they are at this state. I wish, you know, the 49ers were full strength, but yeah, this game feels like it's going to be a little bit of a, a slug fest, like a, the old Niners Seahawks games used to be. Yeah, it kind of feels like everything is falling apart around Geno um, because their run game stinks. Like their it's run game is bad. R- real, real bad. Even when Ken Walker was playing um, to the point that it's like you will not like I don't care. Fantasy hype, folks, you will not get me excited about Travis Homer. You will not get me excited <laughs> about Tony Jones for sure last week, like because his run game is not good, even with a guy that we think is a pretty good player in Ken Walker um, and the defense. Obviously, there was a chapter there in the season, Rich, where it looked like they might have turned this thing around like we're getting this thing going but man they have they've been rough from a defensive perspective especially as a run stop unit this certainly feels like McCaffrey saddle yes. him up for a bunch like power so the power run stuff the gap stuff that they've implemented in the offense since trading for him it feels like they can really rip through Seattle with CMC here yeah since week 10 Seattle has 598 fewer rushing yards than their opponent that's uh, by far the worst in the NFL because the combination of like the Titans, right? They can't run and they can't stop the run. Uh, yeah. And over that same span, the 49ers have 459 more rushing yards than their opponent. That's the best in the league against 
the again a byproduct of they are great at stopping the run and they can run the football. So it feels like if a style makes fight thing, I think we're going to see a lot of 49ers run game in this one. I'm curious to see if they do start to get just as a byproduct of the injuries because they've used Ayuk and they they know they know what they're getting Ayuk. But where is the revitalization and the creativity for George Kittle? Like he's too good of a player to be used the way he is, and he's running a ton of routes because typically the pushback that we always get with George Kittle is like, well, he's such a good blocker, it makes him worse for fantasy. The dude that since he since he came back from injury, he's running the most pass routes per dropback in the NFL at his position. Like he's he's running a ton of routes. It's either he's not first read on on these, like the specific plays aren't for him. Uh, he has gotten a lot of big target bumps in the past when Debo's been out, but obviously those are different 49er teams. They didn't have Chris McCaffrey and they didn't have Brock Purdy. But um, I would say that this is a great opportunity for Kyle to get back in his bag and find some things that work for George Kittle because the Seahawks have been absolutely horrible against tight ends all year. So maybe a Kittle game. We, we got to coax it though. Yeah, we got to coax a little bit, but I think that, but that's good stuff because I could obviously see him getting the bump with Debo. And the, I think the thing with the 49ers and why Kittle is, I think that you're probably, you're right there to say the problem is, is, is probably not the first read very often because they design so many passing plays to Chris McCaffrey and to Debo Samuel. Like those guys are, you know, Debo's still like a bit of a creative touch player. Um, and then if you're going to have a first read guy, it's going to be Ayuk at wide receiver because he's, I mean, so he's been unbelievable this year. He's just been such a good player. Um, I think that's really suffered with Kittle a little bit. But as much as I love Ayuk and as much as I appreciate what Samuel and McCaffrey bring to the table, it's like you can't really just have George Kittle be like kind of an afterthought, you know? And um, it, it, I'm, I've had about enough with the designed plays to like, when clearly like Ray Ray McLeod is the first <laughs> Juwan Jennings. Like Jennings or old uh, Ross Dwelly a couple times this year. So like, I think you can get Kittle a little more involved. This does feel like a good spot. So if you're looking at like single game DFS or, you know, prop bets, stuff like that, maybe, maybe, I don't know if you can coax that Kittle game out of here. I, I like that call a lot. Um, and yeah, Seahawks feel super tidy, man. It's just, it's Lockett, it's Metcalf and we don't care about anything else. Yeah, I mean, it's Marquis Goodwin starting to do a little bit of things. And, you know, Marquis Goodwin's one of those true good guys in the NFL you want to root for. Yeah. So uh, definitely would love to see him have success against the, the, the 49ers. We have really struggled against slot receivers too this year. So if the Seattle can't run the football, which we assume that they won't be able to here, I mean, it's going to be another high Geno dropback game. Um, just hope for the best. I, I love to see these guys uh, thriving, these wide receivers together in unison. Dude. I love it so much. I am. I'm so I'm probably like in terms of guys I'm exposed to the most. It's definitely Lockett. Like any good team I have this year has a lot of Josh Allen, but also Lockett too, man. I mean, he's, yep, he was same dude. He was like going in the uh, freaking 11th round. Of he was like, going after sky Moore in drafts. Like what, what were people doing? <laughs> like, Oh no. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, we, we, uh, that's another thing, too. Use your imagination to bring it all the way back to what we talked about at the very first team here. Using yes. your imagination, like all you had to do was imagine that Geno Smith wouldn't be like the stone worst quarterback in the league. And you would look at the 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 projections for Metcalf and especially for Lockett and be like, this makes no sense. But you had to imagine like Geno was going to be god awful and then Drew Locke was going to get in there and he was also going to be god awful. But that was all literally priced into these players. Yeah, they're actually one of the guys that got right, one of the teams that got right, and it's not from a projection stance, so just from a, a range of outcome stance, because, like, I was just grabbing Lockett there. I was like, I'm definitely going to take a guy that I know is really good over, like, these, right. like, these flyer wide receivers, right? Like, always. Right. Like, I'm just going to take him. 
And uh, it wasn't like any like great like projection or foresight of saying like, oh, I believe that this is going to happen. But sometimes those end up being the best picks made. <laughs> Lockett has, I, I think the general public, has, because of what he's done with Geno Smith, has caught up to Tyler Lockett being a superstar player so much that I am getting heat. For tweet, I'm tweeting out uh, graphics of like, here are my superstar wide receivers. Here are the guys knocking on the door. And I had somebody yesterday tweet at me like, the fact that you don't have Tyler Lockett in the superstar group is a, it shows uh, that you're a joke. You're a joke, and you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like me, <laughs> me, heat, heat for Lockett. That's how good he's been this year, and that's how that's how uh, that's how much the general public I think is caught up. That's to just it. But yeah, the, that's just the, your status, man. You know, uh, everyone, uh, uh, every hero lives long enough to become a villain. <laughs> Hey, if that's got to be me, uh, I will do it. Well, Rich, you've been my hero for subbing in on this show. I really appreciate you doing this, man. This was uh, incredible. We hammered people with knowledge in this one, I think. Yeah, and uh, you know, not to tease anyone, but I'm going to have you on my show next week. And then also for Yahoo, I'm having Scott Pianowski on my show this week. So the Yahoo, Yahoo party. There we go. We love to see it. Well, hey, Rich, you can make me do uh, any amount of work uh, leading into this one. You got some player requests. You want me to chart uh, before the then? Okay, don't put it. Uh, how honestly, how dare you? I take back all the nice things I said. But seriously, you got any guys you want me to look at before your show? I owe you a lot of work. I uh-huh. owe you for doing this. I appreciate you, man. You people out there, you can follow Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves, one of the best ats in the fantasy industry. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, for God's sakes, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. You will not regret it. If you like the show. We got great guests like Rich Rebar, okay? How could you not like the show? Please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on whichever podcast platform you're listening on. Andy Barons and the aforementioned Scott Pianowski will join me tomorrow to preview the rest of the Week 15 games. Until then, we're out. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.